Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. I like um, this. It helps us get warmed up a bit. We should do this more often. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. Nah. Okay, okay, so I'm going to get the mic. Yeah. Sure. And I get this. Whenever. And then after that, I have to stop spending because, like, I've yeah, I you spent my... all the money on your Lego. Yeah. No. Because Adam, Adam forced us to get Lego. <laughs> <laughs> I did no such thing. Uh, all right. Okay. Let's, let's get going, eh? Okay, whenever right. you're ready, it's recording. Just three, right. three, two, one. You know how it is. Three... Two, one. John Chaka is a quitter. Guys, we're back. Oh, starting no. the show Said off it. with an allegation. Yeah, uh, it wasn't an, really. It wasn't really an allegation. It's actually a bit of a quote uh, because somehow for a third straight episode, I know hockey is back. That's a pretty big deal. We'll get to that a little later on in the show. Um, but again, we're here talking about the Arizona Coyotes. This has and, to be uh, record. Well, oh, probably. Uh, yeah, the Coyotes coverage, I'm surprised how much you've talked about it. I mean, it's always – well, the negative stuff is always kind of more, you know, newsworthy stuff. And when you have – and even more so when a general manager gets fired, it didn't really happen that often, Jason Boss. Was Bosco. he fired, though? Um, was he, he was forced on his out? Way out. Should I say, when a general manager departs from an organization, it's yeah. always a big deal. Cause it, it, like, Bergevin's been around in Montreal for eight years. Yeah. Bowman in Chicago. Uh, David Poyle's been in Nashville for what feels like my entire lifetime. Yarmo Kekalainen's been in Columbus for, for a while, I think. He's done an excellent job. Yeah, yeah he's all right. He's, he's signed some bad contracts, but uh, John Chaka. He knows how to draft. He, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, not in the first round. Like, it's like Steve Eisenman on the I Lightning. Mean, he knows how to draft after the first round, not in the first round. Well, Pierre-Luc Dubois, he made that call. He looks yeah. – Pugliarvi uh, passed it's better. Just Kirby Reichel. I don't know. Yeah. Leafs, legend, <laughs> Leafs and Habs legend. Kirby I was going to say that. Good. Yes. I'm happy you brought up Habs legend as well because we don't talk about that a whole lot. Do you remember well, the trade he was in, though? We've talked about it before. Oh. Was it was it the Placanic steal? Yeah, it was. It was it was, it was Valiev a second that turned into yeah Usa, Jacob Olivson. No, Jacob Olivson, not not the other one. And yeah, and and all right, Reichel who yes, Placanic and Kyle was it Kyle Braun? Kyle Bond. Yeah, it was someone. Yeah, it I might have been. And then, do you know what happened to Renat Valiev? Uh, he was traded to Calgary. Yeah. For, um, yeah, yeah. What well, his name's not coming to me right now. Brett Kulak. Oh, Brett Kulak. Oh, there it is. That's a trade tree for you, Thomas Placanics. We should do a trade tree one day. It'd be fun. Yeah, we should. But, but like, we don't want to take it from Steve. We'll call it yeah, like a a tree trade a- acquisition plant. <laughs> <laughs> 
Stop it. The root of, of the tree that is Position called... Bush or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh um, no, We're guys. Desperate. We're getting desperate with names here. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought like our... We normally have this thing of like long exuberant names, like the yeah. 201 podcast show of excellence, prestige, and accomplishment. We can work on that, though. Um, but we should probably get to the, the opening to- topic again. John Chaka, a few hours after uh, last week's show, and as you know, it was during the show, wasn't it? Yeah, he Mike was fired during the show. Uh, Steve yeah. Sullivan was. And we uh, just kind of went through it because we already talked about the Coyotes. Sorry. Yeah. Um. So during last week's episode, we get to talk about it a bit more here since there are some details. John Chaka resigned slash terminated his own yeah. contract. Um. There's now, a lot to unpack. There's a lot here. So should I should I read for you guys John Chaka's statement? Yeah, let's start mm-hmm. with let's start with John Chaka's statement. Yeah. Uh, so this is his little statement here. The past four years have been the most enjoyable of my life in Arizona. Okay. I became a husband, a father, and a father. Sorry, by working as hard as possible to make the Arizona Coyotes a Stanley Cup contender. I love our players coaches, staff, and fans, and I very much wish I could be with the team in Edmonton. Sadly, the situation created by ownership made that an impossibility. That's all I intend to say on the matter for now. (laughs) A fuller, more detailed explanation may be necessary in the near future. (laughs) Until then, I wish the Coyotes uh, good luck in Edmonton and thank every member of our pack for the support shown to Catherine, our daughter, and myself over the years. I'm guessing Catherine's his wife. Yeah. Also, I want to congratulate Steve Sullivan as he steps into a new role. We worked side by side for years. He is a great person and a terrific hockey mind. Now, before I throw this over to you guys, there was a um, a little thing from Craig Morgan who has been you know, really on this, this whole Chaker situation, saying from an NHL source that John Chaker is a liar and a, and a quitter. Um, I thought that was the owner who said that. Um, all I saw from Morgan was, was that he said from a league source. Oh, okay. I want to be careful. And now, um, okay. Elliot Freeman on 31 Thoughts did say apparently there is some group, like the same guys who are involved in like buying the Mets or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this opportunity that we talked about, this job offer that Cheka was a pro on the Coyotes, this is the key part, gave permission to this organization to talk to Cheka about, includes a sort of analytics, you know, type number situation or office that yeah. he would head up. So from John Cheka's point of view, guys, um, that statement, I think we all know uh, because of management, that's an impossibility is a big red flag, Alex. It's such a it's a very tricky situation because what it seems like is happening, and um, I'm not sure if you guys listened to Hockey Central. I think it was yesterday they had Brian Burke uh, on talking about if there is a if he was given permission, there should be a paper trail. If there his his mentality is if we're if when he was doing. Um, looking for a coach and he wanted to get permission there there's a paper trail right and it doesn't seem like there's a paper trail here or any type of uh anything really it seems like there's just a whole lot of confusion now the, my understanding of the situation is last year this group someone uh, approached the coyotes 
um, and I believe this would have been the the previous owner and asked to speak to Chaika and they were declined, right? That that was my understanding. And a, a, a group again came to Chaika this time and said, or came to the Coyotes or to Alex Marullo and said, can we talk to Chaika? And this is where the confusion gets. If you look at the opportunity, I think it's a really good opportunity for Chaika. Oh, yeah. Um, Not only is it baseball. We're talking hockey, so the New Jersey Devils. We're talking basketball uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers. We're talking about um, potentially baseball with the New York Mets, English soccer with Crystal Palace. They own a minority – they have a minority – piece of this Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Like we're talking about multiple sports and for John Chico, who's, who's analytically inclined, if that's how we're going to put it, that would be a really good opportunity for him to grow. Now, whether he's a hockey guy or he's not a hockey guy is, is up for debate, but I don't know if that's the right debate we should be having. Um, I think you're referencing something I may have said before the show started about saying that. Um, I, I might have said that, that it, it appears to me that Cheka is very much a sports person and yeah. not a hockey person first. Which, no, no, there's I, nothing I, wrong with that. I wasn't taking a job. All I'm doing is like you're not the first person I heard say that, and I oh, know, right. I, and I know you're you're kind of making a joke of the, of it. But I know there's people who are being serious about it being whether he's a hockey guy or not. But that's not the debate that fans should be having. It's a matter of was he given permission? If he was, there's no issue here. If he was not given permission, then there's an issue. There's potentially an issue with Chaika, and there's most definitely an issue with ownership of whoever that was. Now we're all suspecting it was the Devils. So what the, that ownership group, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um- Daniel, I want to ask you because um, there, not often do we have a show where you don't mention Barrett Hayden. Um, before we go to ownership here, I want to focus on John Shake and what he's done for the Coyotes because a lot's been made over the last few days. Uh, Filipovich made a joke of, you know, how do analytics make someone pick uh, Barrett Hayden over <laughs> Quinton Hughes? Well, you can make that debate with Montreal with Yes, Barry Kakinyemi. You can maybe even make the argument for the Sens picking Brady Kachuk. Um, and then, of course, the Dylan Strome pick turned into a complete disaster. Um, what do you think you're going to remember about John Chaka's time as GM of the Coyotes as he seems to be going into the sunset of the hockey world? Oh, Maybe. Interesting question. Yeah, I think that there is going to be a legacy of their what I think you look at what the Coyotes were before him and what they were able to become. I know, like, maybe it was analytics-driven or not, but – when we look back on, I guess, the Shane Doan golden years where it was like that rag and tag team that, you know, beat the Blackhawks in 2012 and then they go to the conference finals against the LA Kings, you know. Who had they had on the team? Like Shane Doan, Radiv Rabrata, Ray Whitney. You know, these are the guys that they were in their top six, you know, like guys who were kind of like on the other side of 30 by that point. But, you know, these are the guys that you're using as your offensive weapons. And, you know, they already had like, you know, developing – Oliver Ekman Larson there, but there wasn't really much to work with, you know, like the Mike, Mike Smith at his, I guess his prime, you'll say, he was a bit, yeah. he's actually quite a bit older, 
by that point, but you know, you had that bright spot, but then you like shift over where I saw John Chaika as a thing where the Kaoyeruis wanted to say, you know, we wanted to do something different. We wanted to get a young guy in there and we wanted to be more innovative. We didn't want to use the old formulas that teams had because to be honest, they didn't have that leverage or that opportunity to make these kind of things. Like they didn't have, I guess, but I don't like using sort of the clout to kind of make those huge free agent signings. Um, yeah. I was actually reading it today where one of their bigger signings in like the past few years was like Mike Ribeiro for four years <laughs> or something like, something like that. And um, looking at it now where he was able to bring, you know, Kessel and Hall, no matter how they kind of underdeveloped, he was still able to bring them in to the fold and try to make something. I think there were a lot of pieces where I kind of felt that the development needed more time. Like really like that Clayton Keller's like, contract i'm just thinking about like when it hits next year how is that going to look is this going to be another 47 point player um christian dvorak is he really worth almost five million a year this guy has never hit 40 points well see it's, it's very interesting because yeah you, you you now look that john take and i'll read the owner's statement in, in a second here um i think it was elliot freeman on 31 thoughts the podcast mentioned that Chaco was a big part in bringing the Gutierrez's in to buy the Coyotes, which, and then all of a sudden, he's now gone. He has just signed young Clayton Keller to the deal you were just talking about. He brought in Phil Kessel. He made the Taylor Hall deal. All these big moves that don't look like, I mean, the playoffs will tell. Um, is there a good chance if they can even beat Nashville, will they get all the way down, you know, all the way to the end of the Western Conference to a cup final? Probably not. Um, it doesn't really feel like Cheka has left the Yotes in the best position, or am I being a bit too harsh? Because we, we did debate this last week, especially um, Mike and yourself, Alex. Yeah, I think it, depend, it, it depends on how – you look at it in a way. I think as a team, they're in a little bit. They're in. They're very dependent on Darcy Kemper or Anti Ranta to stand on their head. Mm-hmm. I think I like you look at the pieces individually. They're good, but when they put them together, it doesn't seem to be working well. I, I think there's like I was reading. I think there's multiple tradable assets on that team. If you're looking to really break down and start up again, I think there are players who you can who who would be out there and get something on the on the market. Would you get full price? Probably not. You're probably gonna get like I don't know, pennies on the dollar for a couple players, but what are what are you what does Steve Sullivan, who's now interim GM, uh want to do? I don't know, Adam, if you want to get into the whole this Situate the GM situation now, or if you want to read the owner statement first. Um, yeah, yeah. well, I'll read the owner okay. statement first, and also if we want to take a second, because the only other thing we have to talk about today, maybe some baseball stuff, um, but also then uh, the Montreal, Toronto, and the other embarrassment game. from last night. Yeah. Um, so this is the statement from the Yotes themselves. Okay. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes issued the following statement today regarding John Cheka. This is on Sunday, by the way. Quote, John Chaka has quit as the general manager and president of hockey operations of the Arizona Coyotes. It's the first part of it. He quit. The first, take that in the first thing they are telling their fans, John Chaka has quit. I'll continue, though. 
The club is disappointed in his actions and his timing as the Coyotes prepare to enter the NHL's hub city of Edmonton, where the team will begin postseason play for the first time since 2012. Jake has chosen to quit on a strong and competitive team, a dictated yeah. staff. Okay. Oh, boy. Um, and the Arizona Coyotes fans, <laughs> the greatest fans in the NHL. All 10 of them. Let's go. All right. All right. Um, the club is moving forward and his name is Steve Sullivan as interim GM. He has the full support of the entire organization, including team ownership, executive leadership, players, and coaches. The club will have no further comment on the matter as the club remains focused on the opportunity to pursue the Stanley Cup. Guys, I don't know, I don't know if you, you know this, but John Shaker quit. Mm-hmm. He quit. I Listen. He quit on the best fans in I, the world. All I know, 15 to 20 of them. He quit on Phil. How did he do that? I, I know like the viewership of this show is not. I think it, it's gone up definitely. It's yeah. increasing. It's, it's it definitely has. Yeah, it, which is awesome. So I don't know how many Coyotes fans we have. <laughs> but if like, you Chase are out a, there. Uh, is Chase a Coyotes fan? No, no. Okay. I was going to bring him up, but he's, yeah. he's not. He had he, so. No. If you are a Coyotes fan, I want you to listen very carefully. Or if you want to look me in the eyes as I talk to you, go check out the YouTube channel for a visual experience of the podcast. I'm looking right into my Max webcam. John Chica quit on you. If Phil Castle is listening to this show, Phil, he quit on you. He quit on Shane Doan. I'm sure he's still learned. Paul Bizonette, he quit on him. <laughs> he quit on the best fans in the NHL. Um, okay, but enough about, about ripping them. Um, uh, let me ask you this, Daniel. Um, what's your biggest takeaway from that statement, except for the fact that John Chaka quit on all of us? It was kind of like they cleaned their hands of him in a way, because, you know, we already knew about, like, that – like, it's like – is that a whole speculation? Like, did he or did he not skip the team dinner with Taylor Hall? Like, I thought saying, he wasn't invited. Yeah, that's what they said. Like, they're speculating he wasn't invited, and then there was another report that apparently he just didn't go. Oh, well, I that'd be not. I don't. I don't know. I, I, the people, the reliable sources that I get my information from, which I'll be very clear, are like mm-hmm. four people in. CJ, Elliot, Darren, Dreger, and Bob McKenzie. Am I missing anyone? Um, Pierre Lebrun. Pierre Lebrun. Okay, James fine. Myrtle? No? Who? Uh, James, James Myrtle, Myrtle from, from my Leaf stuff, yeah. Okay, okay. Those guys all reported that he, uh, my, uh, if I went back, I'd have to double check, but I'm like 99% sure that he was not invited to the meeting. Oh, man. That's like... But at that point, I'd have to imagine like they all knew he was all but out. Like this yeah. was like a, like a two. This was over. Like we've been talking about this for like two to three weeks, and then a couple months ago, we're talking about the the Coyotes or the league pushing Peter Shirelli into the. Coy- yeah, that's oh my! I don't know if you want to get into that now, or we'll save. I it thought that was a meme time. when I first saw that report. Well, then yeah, we'll 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 go there because it seems to be the Coyotes' plans now. Uh, yeah, Sullivan, will he be the future GM? Well, if the league have its way, I remember a, f- a few months ago, there yeah. was word about 
yeah. them wanting Shirelli to come in and fix things there. It, I, I believe they wanted the, – the rumors were that they wanted him to be – uh, part of the organization, and I think mm-hmm. a lot. I think when we talked about it, we we assumed that John Chaika would still be general manager, but Peter Shirelli would be president yes. of hockey operations. And now, and this is even from Thirty One Thoughts. Yeah, Elliot. Now that Bob's semi-retired, you know, the most trusted source of info in hockey is now even saying that that it looks like they they even more want Shirelli, and now the door is open. And it would be such an NHL move. You've got one of the old, one of the 100 hockey men here. The, I know. Oh, I, I can't wait. I, I seriously, I cannot wait for Oliver Ekman Larson to get dealt. It's going to be amazing. It, it, yeah. It, it would be a joke. It, it would be, sorry, Daniel. I'm just, <laughs> I'll no, be no, real no. quick. It would be an utter travesty if the NHL pushed. The, the Coyotes to make Peter Shirelli their general manager. I have a theory, guys. Okay? So, obviously, Gary can't move the Yotes because he doesn't want them... He doesn't want him, it to look bad on him. So, this is right. his plan. He's going to get the guy who nearly made Connor McDavid request it. This is pure speculation. That nearly... He, he got the Oilers to a point where we all thought that maybe McDavid was going to ask for a trade. Okay, so maybe his plan and him and Daly's plan is to, you know, get Shirelli, throw him to the wool, the Coyotes in uh, Arizona, and make it even worse. So it's the point where Gary can say, "I didn't ruin it. It wasn't a bad idea," and then that's how the Coyotes end up becoming the Houston okay. Coyotes. Adam, I I, I love that con- I love that conspiracy theory, but here's the issue I have. How much worse can it actually get? They barely fill a stadium. How much worse? Or at what point does Gary say, "Man, like they're they're the team"? I don't. When was the last time we heard that Arizona Coyotes make money? Never. I don't think ever. Maybe, but it just feels like we've constantly heard that the big teams in in the NHL, which are uh, I mean, listen again: Toronto, Montreal, New York, L.A., and Boston. Chicago. And maybe in Chicago because they're good. No, are bankrolling the bottom teams in the league. Yes. Yeah. How much worse does it have to get? It's just for Gary to come out and say, "Okay, we get it. They suck. They don't make any money. Let's move them to a team. Let's move them to a city because we all know they're not going to move them to Quebec City." And I understand yeah. there's biz, there's reasons behind it. I've heard Brian Burke talk about it. I've heard multiple other people talk about it. Yeah. They're going to move them to Houston. Yeah. Or that'd be the most. How much fair worse? Guess. Yeah, that'd be our best guess. How much worse does it have to get? Um, I don't know the, how much worse. The players don't show up. Yeah, <laughs> to a game. I mean, you know, uh, they protest to be traded. I don't know something like they hold out like the, every single person on the roster. That's I mean, how I, I think. Like, okay, yeah, yeah we definitely got to move this team. It has to be like Arizona's not terrible to live. I'm not familiar no, with the geography, but like, there are not. certain spots in Arizona, isn't it? Like hipster country. I just remember that, like Chase mentioned how like you just have so many other options when it comes to watching sports. 
See, this is interesting. The biggest failure for the Coyotes for me, and it was something Chase mentioned, that they, they had, and this is also, this can be blamed on everyone, including Sheikah, since he was president of Hockey Ops, is that they weren't, it sounded like they were not doing enough to reach out to the community and try and help grow the game. Right. What can you do in Arizona? Try, and it doesn't sound like they've been doing that. That's why I kind of thought like they were trying to do this, I guess, year and a half where they kept getting these big contracts and locking up these guys. Because I think John Chica did have a vision. I like this, is, I don't know, but like I think he had a vision of what he wanted the team to kind of look like. But and he was had, kind of, yeah. Yeah. And he was like pressured by owners to be like, yeah, but we got to get sell tickets. You know, we got to get a face there. You know, be a cap team. You know, get Phil Kessel, get Taylor Hall, do what you can, and, you know, let's go with the goalies. And then Darcy Kemper gets injured. I look at the last team to get moved was the Atlanta Thrashers, who were also losing money and didn't have anyone in the stands. And I look at the Arizona Coyotes and why they haven't been moved, and I can't give you a reason. I can't give you a reason because they're in the same situation as Atlanta. The difference, living in in Arizona is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Atlanta's not the nicest place to live. Like, compared to Arizona, yeah, it, Arizona is above Atlanta from all I could look at. I remember when the Thrashers were, like, the last two years, I guess, of uh, them being there. And I remember, like, they traded Kovalchuk because he didn't want to be there anymore. They had to – they traded him to the Devils. Yeah. Um. Then they kind of realized, you know, we still want to have a competitive team. So, like, in the offseason, they got Dustin Bufflin and Andrew Ladd from the Blackhawks. And they still tried to do those, like, it's, it's similar to, like, kind of, like, I feel like that Kessel Hall kind of thing. Like, you know, let's, let's you know, we could technically tank it from here. But let's actually still get these kind of guys to try to keep the team here and try to field something competitive. It's like the same cycle, I find. It is. Like, I look at Florida, and I go, why is there a second team in Florida when they can't fill the stands? Uh, fellows, fellows, just a bit more on Cheka. Uh This was such uh, from, excuse me, James Wish. Bleh, I can't even say his name. Um, Wish from ESPN. James Wyshynski. Wyshynski. Something's easy for me to say. Um, he just had an article a bit more about the Cheka stuff. According to a source, Cheka came to Morello seeking permission to speak with the owner under uh, the premise that it wasn't a job interview, making the argument that previous Coyotes owners would have let him have the conversation as it was intended to build relationship with hockey with, with owners in hockey and get market knowledge. Spoiler alert. Apparently, it ended up being a job interview. After it appears things remained status quo for Jake and the Coyotes, he told Morello that he wanted to leave for an opportunity with the team, a job that, it was, that would be a step up from NHL GM in the role overseeing aspects of other teams in the owner's portfolio, according to an NHL source. That team was, of course, New Jersey. We all know that. Who and then owns, of course, um, the 76ers, Crystal Place FC. So apparently he lied. <laughs> about certain, like, interview stuff. Um, oh, my God. Just a bit more stuff Morello felt lied to. Um, just so you know. That's why I'm randomly reading something. There's, like, some new stuff from Wyshynski. Um Doesn't look good on Cheka, apparently. Tried to, like... I can't believe you would turn around and lie to your owner like that. 
that's a big red flag for me. That that is a big red flag. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it, that's what, like see it's it, a really it's a very messy situation that we don't that I feel like we don't have all the facts to that. I feel like every time we read something new comes out, it just pieces the puzzle together. But then we're still left. Like what the hell happened? Because he, John Chaika signed a four year extension. Yeah. I think uh, last year, was it? Yeah. Cause he has three more years on his contract on the current one. Yeah. And uh, it's 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 a bad look on him, uh, and my like my feeling, and, and I don't know if you guys would agree with this necessarily. I don't think he's gonna get a a job in the NHL again, and I think there's two reasons for that. Computer boy. I think number one, this this looks really bad on him. If what all this st- stuff is true. It looks really bad, and number two is because he's an, and and he's very pro um, analytics. Um, another thing from Wyshynski's article: This is about the dinner. Yeah. Uh, as this was playing out, Chica's role with the team was changing. He set up a meeting with Coyotes ownership for Hall uh, to familiarize, familiarize the player with new Arizona CEO Xavier Gutierrez. However, Chica did not attend that dinner, so apparently he set it up but he didn't actually show up to it. And there was no contract talks at that specific dinner. It was just everyone together kind of familiar with it. Um, I'll keep just kind of scrolling through this as we go. Okay. Uh, if you guys, yeah, yeah. Any, I'll, more I'll, on I'll, the, no, like, any more on the Yelts or do you want to talk baseball quickly? No, I just quickly, like, I think he's, it's going to be difficult for him to get another job in the NHL. Like, I, I think it doesn't help. This situation is a really big reason. I also doesn't. It doesn't help that he is very analytically inclined. And I let me just check something quickly. I don't think he had. He was. I know he was assistant GM. And and from what I've been reading, it seems like a lot of people weren't too fond of his way of moving up the ladder in the in the NHL uh, management. Mm-hmm. So. Right, because I believe. Let's see, uh, he was part of an a- analytics company, and I think he—that's him and his sister. Yeah, they created that. With um, his and in 2016, he became the youngest general general manager, um, and the only thing he did before that was serve as an assistant general manager for the Coyotes. So I think there's a lot of. I, I feel like behind the scenes, and this is obviously pure speculation from me, but a lot of people wouldn't be fond of that because you look at how all the GMs um, have, have come up and even someone like even someone as more analytically inclined, like Kyle Dubas, he was, he was a GM in, in uh, Sault Ste. Marie. He was an assistant GM for a couple of years and then he became um, general manager of the Leafs. So yes, it took a little bit like maybe it wasn't as long of a process, but he he did his job in multiple leagues and proved himself. Whereas Chaika, he was, we're all just basing this off of his work at Stathletes. And then that time he spent as assistant jail manager. So my interpretation would be, there's just a little bit of backlash from, 
from the league as well. And I don't know how likely they will be to bring him back into the hockey general manager community. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently Chica also took himself out of the COVID testing for the team, which then yeah. will take him out of going to Edmonton, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, now the team considered this a material breach of his contract, although the NHL allowed any team official to leeway um, the, sorry, the leeway to opt out of traveling to the bubble. And this is something that was reported. We How did we forget to mention this? Um, so, of course, Cheka terminates, uh, tendered his resignation on Friday, which the Coyotes announced in their statement. We all know that. Yep. The contract um, dispute between the sides is expected to be um, looked at because the, um, the Coyotes went to – Daniel's gone, goddammit uh, – went to the league and was like, Gary, Batman, my boy <laughs> – can you look at this? So he'll yeah. be having a look at this. Just before we move back to move on to baseball quickly, when Daniel comes back, what do you think of them bringing in Steve Sullivan? <sighs> to be honest, I don't, I don't know much about the guy. Um, I, I mean, how much of this is really just, we need to put someone in place um, because did you need to name him right away? No, but I don't know if that's them trying to just stick it to John be like, we got our guy. I mean, yeah. at least Chega gave him the nod. And, I mean, they could have fired him as well. Like, I mean, you could have had a Chega's guy's bloodletting. It doesn't look like they've done that, luckily. But, right. Um, I mean, I, I, I would rather see this guy get a shot because if he – if it was the assistant that he kind of has – Chega's vision in mind, regardless of what you want to say about Chega, yeah. how he's doing this as a professional – Everyone wants their team to win. So would you like to see another guy get a lot, like a little shot here? And we joke about it, but I really don't think Peter Shirelli, I don't want to say dessert. He didn't, I don't think his work in Edmonton has earned him another shot as a general manager. His work in Boston didn't earn him a shot. No, it did not. In Edmonton. So his work in Edmonton, no. Like, Mm -hmm. I, 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 First glance, I was a little bit questionable about the pick, but then I actually sat down with it, and I'm like, okay, what is the one thing we continue to complain about, or something that I complain about, is that we never give new people a shot, mm-hmm. right? Kyle Dubas got hired, everyone complained. John Chaika got hired, everyone complained. Yes. Um, right, like the the guys who don't have actual NHL general manager experience, we find that we just complain about it. This guy is in the hockey community, like has been a part of the hockey community and has had experience with an NHL team. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, before we, sorry. You good, Alex? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, before, yeah, we, we talk a little baseball here. Um, Alex was, do you want to ask Daniel what you just asked me about Sullivan? Yeah. What do you think of the Steve Sullivan hire? I, I think he cut out again, but. Oh, I hope not. I think he cut out again. Oh, no. Okay, let's um, pause it and uh, we'll come back. All right. Mm. All right, lads, back after some technical difficulties. Um, Alex wants to bring up some MLB NBA stuff. Before we yeah. do that, though, I just want to point out, we started the show a little late because I wanted to us to, together to finish watching what I thought was the end of the pit. I just realized my mic is not I was, was going to Yeah, say I was like, okay. <laughs> Whoops-a-daisy. Um, That's okay. Jesus. Um. So, so I, I just want to point out that I thought it was the end of the game because it was 4 nothing. It was the end of the second. It's not 5 nothing. three minutes, 38 seconds left in the third. Oh, boy, the Panthers are bad. Um, but, Alex, you want to talk about some other sports quickly? 
Yeah, I mean, let's let's uh, the NBA. I mean, we can talk about the three bubble leagues: NBA, NHL, MLS. So far, have been. I mean, the NHL's quite new, but it seemed to have been killing it lately. Mm-hmm. Um, the NBA just announced for the second straight week they have had zero positive uh, COVID tests, and they are testing every day. Lovely. So it. I mean, listen. The bubble seems to be working here. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, other leagues are taking different approaches across the world. <laughs> um, I, I mean, the MLB, they are in a, <laughs> I don't know what word, tough boat, I guess. Like uh, this morning, I was telling Daniel uh, earlier that I got two straight um, notifications from the score. Uh, one that the Marlins outbreak has gone up to 18. Uh, so I, I there's multiple players and a couple coaches. It's up to 16 players and two coaches now. Uh, this was confirmed by Ken Rosenthal of the Athletic. And <laughs> and now the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, who they were they just played, is. They reportedly receive negative tests, but they do not want to play. Or they're not playing. They will not be playing. So it's like you're saying that traveling city to city like nothing is wrong in the middle of a pandemic, especially in the States where everything is still going terribly, Yeah, was a bad idea. Yeah. And it's the Miami Marlins of all places. Oh, yeah. Sorry, the (laughs) Miami Marlins. And... Oh, and now where's, so where's Miami again, guys? Sorry I believe it's in I believe it's in Florida. Yeah. Really? Some wow. state. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it, it's messy. And now next, the Phillies are playing supposed to play the Blue Jays on Saturday. Um, I believe it's a double header. So now we're gonna have to see what happens there. And and I I think one of the next opponents for the Miami Marlins is supposed to be the Washington Nationals. And now they don't, they've don't. they all decided, the players have said, we do not want to play this game um, mm-hmm. against Miami. So they, they are in for uh, an absolute mess. I, I already said it la- last episode. I don't know how, as a league, you let one of your teams a week away, up until opening day, not have an actual place to play. Or a mm-hmm. confirmed stadium, uh, it's it's getting it's getting worse for them. Um, and I was talking with someone last night about like the MLB and the NFL because I believe the NFL wants to fo- is going to follow in some way of a footsteps of the MLB. And I'm like, well, how do they compare to the likes of Formula One, the likes of Bundesliga, the likes of the Premier League? Because they are traveling, right? So what are they? What is it that like they're doing differently? And I guess one of the things is okay. Let's look at F one. They're they're in one uh, one country for a couple weeks, then they go to a different country for a couple weeks. So they're not constantly traveling. And and I guess the same would go for um, Bundesliga and Premier League in terms of you know what the amount they're traveling isn't. It's not as big as traveling across the United States. But they must be doing something right because they're traveling. I mean, you said it right there. It's the United States. There was a really good tweet. I wonder if I can find it quickly. It was like, the kids are I, 
And it was somebody tried to bring the argument of this, the the state of the the U.S.'s population number, yeah. and they did the math compared to I think it was South Korea. And um, I, I want I want to see if I can find it really really quickly here. I uh, here it is. For amount of COVID cases. Yeah. So deaths from COVID nineteen, South Korea two hundred ninety seven, the U.S. more than one hundred forty thousand. Yeah. And then somebody tried to say South Korea's population fifty million, the U.S. is. 360 million. Yeah. And then somebody goes back at this guy and says, well, if we go off your logic, we are 7.2 times bigger than South Korea. So mathematically, we should have 2,138 deaths. But we have at this time 148,000, which is 69. I'm not going to say it. More than we should have. I'm a high school student and you're a grown man and I understand numbers more than you. <laughs> and at this time, 150 likes, you have 36. I had ratioed you 4.1 times. Please enjoy math with me. That was a Twitter user, A-N-J-R-E-W underscore Scott sucks, which is hilarious to me. Um, it, it's the states is the biggest thing. They just haven't handled it, handled it well. Have go with, And Daniel's gone again, God damn it. Would have liked to have gotten his point of view. But, man, yeah. it, I mean, the NFL, you said that, what, they're, they're planning on going around the same route, like they're not doing a bubble or anything? Another American yeah, that, league. That's my that's my understanding. And, and listen, surprisingly, the NHL looks um, good coming out of this. Which is, we love the NHL, but the I NHL. I love Gary Batman. I I'm very. I understand why people don't like Gary Batman, but I am also of the understanding that Gary Batman is working for the owners. So if anyone should be upset. If you should be upset, I think there's a lot of blame that could that that could be placed on the owners more for Gary Bettman. Uh-huh. Um, right. I feel bad that we haven't had Daniel here to talk about baseball because he's a big baseball. Okay, guy. let's pause we'll be, it again. We'll be back. <laughs> All right. All right, back. Okay, sweet guys. Um, before we go on to the hockey. We go back to hockey, sorry. No. Uh, Daniel, you're the baseball guy, so your, your whole take on this massive testing in baseball and I guess how you want to – just you do your thing. You do what you want here. Okay, honestly, you know, I don't – it's just pure – Oh, that was oh, video. No. I got <laughs> Keep that in. Keep that in. We'll be back in a minute. Uh, oh, Keep no. that in. Okay, we're back. Technical difficulties. Some more. Daniel, tell us. Baseball sickness, COVID, big mess in the U.S. Go. Yes. Ignorance, I think. Um, you know, <laughs> like, this is something where, you know, it's already worked with these hub cities. You don't want to be traveling. You don't want, of all places, the Miami Marlins yeah. to be traveling around the U.S., you know, affecting these players. Like, you know, at first it's just like, yeah, like, the, 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 they were a few cases, but that was like that huge outbreak. 18 mm-hmm. people, Alex said, that, like, yeah. it's just something there. Now I'm thinking, like, you know, they played the Phillies, and I guess the regional sentiment I have now, it's like, stay away from our Blue Jays. Right. And then you work backwards, you find who did the Marlins, who have the Marlins played for the last 14 days, and you have to work backwards from there because we don't know when they got it. They could have got it 14 days ago. They could have got it yesterday, but you have to work backwards. Before we move on, Daniel did just the perfect headline. It, 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 it reminded me of the one of the very first things in our first year class that we did. I don't know if you guys did this, but in my in my uh, lab, 
we had to write like a one word headline. Yeah. And I think it was about like why we're something about us coming to journalism school. And I remember it was like, how the hell am I supposed to write a one word headline? And Daniel did it perfectly. Oh, thank you. Um, I won't lie. I have Minnesota, Colorado in the background. And Nathan McKinnon just had a wicked goal. It was simple, wicked shot. Oh, he's so good. Just give him the heart already. Oh, my God. I think before we move on, like the one thing I'd want to just say right now with baseball is it's a lot of players already. Like David Price of the LA Dodgers just came out saying, like, you know, it's like they don't really care about us. He was one of, like, he was like it was pretty monumental you know like even at his age he's still i still consider him an all-star that yeah someone who is at that level saying you know i'm opting out because you guys like it's like the owners don't care to like you know let's put a product on the field mm-hmm. not try to do this effort that the other leagues did with the hub cities in north america and just you know Swing for the fences, and, see what happens. See what sticks yeah. to the to the wall, and see. Okay, that was a good enough approach. And maybe, that was a sorry. sorry go ahead. Alex. I was just gonna say maybe they shouldn't shouldn't have spent two months fighting over a CBA, and maybe just stick to your return to play plan. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know what, man, there was a, and I believe yeah, it was Price and uh, yeah, as you were saying, a bunch of guys who even back then were saying. We're hearing about all this this play stuff, but there's yeah. no actual safety discussion the, in a pandemic. The the, the funny, uh, yeah. The the funny thing about no, it's not funny at all. Actually, it's just a coincidence. The situation the situation we're in now is with the MLB is so similar to the situation that we were in back in March on March 10th or 11th where Rudy where we find out Rudy Gobert tests positive Donovan Mitchell tests positive and then all these NBA players test positive and the league shuts down mm-hmm. man um so we'll go to hockey I guess now yeah, finally let's get back there now. was the exhibition game where the Toronto Maple Leafs won um the Habs we'll, were not yeah we'll save that till the end there's there was a couple other games yesterday yeah, but who cares? Can What's we he, just say quickly? Did you guys Connor stay up McDavid, for the Edmonton game? I didn't. I, I tried. Watched, tried. Yeah. I watched the highlights this morning. Connor McDavid is a legitimate um, god actually, on ice. Be- before we get to on ice stuff is in its entirety. Okay. Um, first of all, that first video package from Sportsnet to start the night. Yeah, Stephen Brunt. I think oh, I forgot who said it. I think it may have been Andrew Berkshire who said that like Stephen Brunt's the king of video essays. Yeah. It was so good, man. Um it's very good. I mentioned to the Oilers for the Colby Cave tribute. Yeah. That was beautiful. Um also shout out to the players and teams for making effort for standing side by side. Um the whole thing of unity. Um that's a really good little, you know, a, a good touch. Um, what I, I think they need to stop doing is showing the highlight. And the first thing you show is Jack Johnson and Claude Giroux laughing. Because I'm not saying they were laughing at the idea, but I'm saying it's a bit weird when you're like, we're here in solidarity and Giroux and, and Jack Johnson are oh, coursing. Sure. It's like, oh, yeah. it's, like, it looks a bit weird. But, but yeah. still, I, you appreciate the effort from the NHL. Another thing they're doing to, you know, excuse me. Um, it's just a, a, a good thing, really. Uh, stumbling over myself there, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about. You want to talk about what Edmonton and the uh, Pittsburgh game? Yeah, why not? Just quickly, we can go over it. I think 
all three games, it's pretty easy to say that all the teams look extremely rusty. Um, yeah. That the first game, the Pittsburgh and Philly game, it looked a little slower than usual. I, I don't expect that to be the case. I imagine this is just rustiness and that will come off as even the play in round commences. Mm-hmm. That Malkin turnover was Yeah. That was, was Cody C that was Cody Cece esque. Yeah. And then the um uh it was Travis Konechny's overtime goal, I think it was. Yeah. Was pretty sexy. It was a pretty sexy goal. Not Nathan McKinnon sexy, but it was it was a nice goal. It was a pretty um, nice goal. I don't want to burst your bubble, but I'm pretty sure Daniel's frozen again. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Um, dang it! What do we do? We'll talk a little bit. See, it, and then we'll, we'll yeah. F- it out. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, and I, I think you know rustiness. I think some teams were more than others. I think I think Edmonton and and the and uh, Edmonton and, and Calgary. Okay. I watched the first period and it's full. Like I tried to watch, but I was waiting. I don't know what happened. I can't stay up past like eleven thirty anymore. Yeah. Um, they, uh, especially McDavid and Drysidel. I see that whole like Drysidel um, Yamamoto line did not look like they missed a step. There was no. all, like yeah. we're gonna talk about the team later. It looked very very rusty, but there were some and like and plus that battle of Alberta game was so chippy. So many big kicks. Cassian threw a nice one early. It, they hated each other, even though it was an exhibition game. And yay, Daniel's back. Yay. Perfect. Oh, man. Man. All right. What, what do you think of, 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 of the Battle of Alberta game where McDavid reminded us how good he was? Yeah, those dangles. Um, you know, what was it around? Travis Hamannick? Oh, not Travis Hamannick. It was against Mark Giordano where I'm like, all right, yeah. Connor's back. Oilers, I don't know. I was holding out for the Blackhawks to make a run. But I don't know. I think Edmonton's more dialed in, more structured. Uh, I'm like, listen, and I know people keep making the argument about, um, keep making the argument about Colorado, um, Chicago and Tazen KM. Yes, that's a great argument. Number one, Miko Koskin and Mike Smith. Didn't look like they looked pretty good last night, and I hate those. And I, I don't think those guys are good goalies. Um, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl will light the Chicago defense on fire. I'm sorry, Duncan Keith cannot do everything for you. At 37, Slater Cuckoo and Oli Mata, uh, like, what are you gonna do? Here's Connor McDavid, here's Leon Dreisaitl. Have fun. That's what's gonna happen. You don't believe in Colin Delia or Malcolm Subban? Wait, I, I believe Crawford's back now. I, I he was practicing. Yeah, he. Uh, I know he tested positive, but that was a few weeks ago. I, I'd assume he's testing negative, and I think we lost Daniel again. But uh, <laughs> um, gosh darn it! All right, he'll uh, join again. He'll join again. That I guess we'll we'll. Maybe I should start talking about the Habs. Do you want to talk? listen? I don't have a lot to say about the Leafs. If you want me to get that done quickly, but if we can get Daniel in, it's better to just have okay, the Leafs okay. conversation as a whole. Okay. Um, all right. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, um, we've we've just lost like lost lost Daniel uh, for the rest of the episode. Unfortunately, um, tweet at him your love 
um, and pray for his internet to get better. Um, but anyway, so yeah, we'll talk about, first of all, how funny was it that Carey Price and the Habs started going down the wrong way because they were the that home team in the home dressing room. Yeah, that, that was uh, that was quite funny. I don't – I'm not entirely sure why they made it that way, but um, in terms of making them the home team and the Leafs of visitors, I don't – was there a particular reason you think they did that? Well, think of it like this. The Leafs are going to have home ice advantage for – uh, against Columbus, Montreal doesn't have it against Pittsburgh, so I guess maybe they didn't want Montreal to have not have a, a home game of last change until, I guess, you know, game yeah. three. Yeah. yeah. Um, plus, you obviously just can't give Toronto their home thing for the whole playoffs. I, I get it, but uh, yeah, I, and I might as well ask you this: How did it feel seeing your locker room filled with hab stuff everywhere? It was not good. You didn't like it. It was a no, bit no. yucky. I know I was saying it looks better on Twitter, but even at the end, I was like, "No." You're trying trying to throw some jabs at Mike. Yeah. Let's, before before let's let's just clear this up. How mm-hmm. how much trash did you send to Mike before? You know, he was actually getting kind of. Uh, he didn't text me for the first bit of the game. He texted me when Toronto had scored one and two, but he was actually pretty good about it. Um, Apparently he was streaming it, so he was kind of behind. So I spoiled him on two goals by accident. Yeah. But they were both Habs goals, but he wasn't that happy with me. So that was a bit – that was rough. Um, kind of like Montreal's performance. But um, do we do, – do you – how do you – I don't even know how to start this. I'm so upset with that team. Do you want, want to go, to go f- first? Or? Yeah. I, uh, I, I can go first. I don't mm. – I think there's a couple tidbits um, I'd like to to bring up. Um, yep. Pre-game-wise, I, I was happy to see Robertson make the lineup in terms of, you know, it's an exhibition game, and I think that's really what exhibition games are for. I think, uh, in t- you know, we're, yes, it's a warm-up game for the players, um, yep. but the, co- the coaches may, might want to make some last-minute decisions, um, and that is – and that's going to be one of them in terms of, you know, is he making the roster, the opening night roster um, or not? And and maybe I'll get into that a little bit later. The second one, I was kind of surprised not to see Rasmus Sandin make the make the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, make Sorry, the exhibition game roster. Just because why are you playing Martin Marinson? Yeah, and each team had an extra forward and defenseman league address, and they still didn't put them in. It was weird. It, it was very odd to me. Like, I understand you want to make Rasmus Sandin your seventh defenseman. At least you can try him with different people. That's one thing. But to make it Marin Marinson, like, what, what is, like, is your expectation not to play Rasmus Sandin? Like, I'd understand, right? I, I don't agree with the choice to play Cody CC with Morgan Riley. But I, I'm also not for playing Rasmus Sandin with Morgan Riley at the moment, especially if you're not comfortable with Travis Dermott playing there or yeah. having Travis Dermott play on the right and Tyson Berry up. I don't listen, I don't know what I don't know what Sheldon Keefe is thinking. Like this could be the opening night roster or he could make some changes. And knowing Keefe, he I wouldn't be surprised if he made some changes. Now in terms of the game. If I remove the rust, I don't. I didn't really mind that much of the game. 
I think Ilya Mikheyev, him being back is a huge addition to this team, and it really solidifies that top six of Mikheyev, um, Tavares, Marner, and Hyman, uh, Matthews, Nylander. Mm-hmm. And it gives you that flexibility to have Nick Robertson playing third line minutes in a way because you're, you can have, like, it's just possible, right? With Janssen being out and Mikhaev back, like, I don't think if Robertson, if there was an opening in the top six, I don't think it's smart to put Robertson in there now. No, especially if, if you maybe if you're a different kind of team like a Montreal or Chicago one, maybe you would it would be better yeah. to have those younger guys in. But Absolutely. if you're the Leafs who are expected to go on the run, it's better to not take a chance on your rookie and instead just kind of for sure ice the best team possible. Uh, what do you think of their penalty kill? Sure, you liked that. It was surprisingly uh, good. <laughs> It seems that was one of the issues, I guess, throughout the year. But uh, I don't know. I think the real test, and, and I mean no offense to this, and I think you'd agree with me, Montreal did not look like normal Montreal last night. Um, oh. <laughs> oh, right? uh, no, but yeah, okay. But they didn't look like a good team last night. I think <laughs> no. we both agree on that. Right? So I think the real test will come on Sunday night against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, and saying that Frederick Anderson looked perfectly fine. Yeah. Right. I remember like I was saying this last episode or two episodes ago, there was the meat, like I understand the media is trying to stir the pot here, but saying, Oh, should we be worried about Freddie because he's getting lit up by the best players on the team? Leave it alone. I get what you're doing. Take a step back. Please. It's a bit, plus, like, it was in practice. I don't know why he would make a big deal of that. Yeah. I mean, and even the goals he allowed. One was a wicked feat from Nick Suzuki. Yeah. Like, yeah, got him to go from one side to the other. But the chemistry and you got the give and go of Tatar. And that was right at the end of the penalty kill, right? That was right after, sorry, Montreal's power play expired. The other was a Paul Byer and just a nice little bit of, um, of hand-eye from, from the Ottawa native. Yeah, it's like and, that. Like Freddie came up and made the saves when he needed to, and that's all you ask of a goaltender. Literally, that's what I, what the team's asking for. Um, in terms of Nick Robertson, if it's a matter of playing Freddie Gauthier or Nick Robertson, because I think that's what the decision's going to end up being. Mm-hmm. There's a part of me that wants to put Nick Robertson in because I don't know what Freddie Gauthier actually does for the team. He is. I was he's, gonna say he's tall, but he doesn't use his size, does he? He do, he's not a. He's a big guy who doesn't use his size. If he if he he can if he proves me wrong, I'll say hey, let's wait because my, the issue I have with Nick Robertson is the same issue I had with Rasmus Sandin at the beginning of the year. He's a he's a great player. He he'll go he'll skate in there right. He has that a little bit of that Zach Hyman gene in him where he's he'll go into the corner and dig to get the puck. He's not as fast. He's not as strong as Zach Hyman, but at least he goes and that's not an issue with him now, but because he's so much smaller or he's smaller than a lot of players and he's not filled into his body as much as he could be, that leaves, that's an issue because he's going to get bodied in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. 
getting in the corners and not even just the playoffs. I think regular season in general, right? So if it's a mat, like I think even if it's a matter between Robertson and Gautier, I think you put Robertson in just to get him that experience. Whereas like uh, Gautier may play next year. At least with Robertson, the first thing that you can say about him is that he's fighting for the spot. Yeah. And it, that's what you really want from your young guys. It, it's, it's the message of to those vets. I think they were talking about that one of the intermissions on the, on the sports and broadcast is um, if he fights for the spot, it either forces your, the guy he's trying to go after yeah. to improve or guess what? The better player who, even if he doesn't have the size, Robertson has the skill. Yeah. It's going to force Sheldon Keefe to put him in, and that's the best thing. I mean, the greatest comment you can give a player is that he's made a coach change his mind. And I but think I – mean, Unless he's bad. <laughs> Robertson is not in that case. Right, and I think um, Robertson did that. And in one training and one practice day, he had Pierre Engvall out of the lineup. Mm. Right? And mm. then last night, Sheldon Keefe had Pierre Engvall. And I think the day before at practice, he had Pierre Engvall at fourth line center. And I, and I think him and Jason Spezza alternated um, who was playing center. So I, and I think Pierre Engvall is like, damn it, man. Like I got my spot back. I, you just signed a two year co- extension. Like why are, why do you need a spot on this team? Like it's a, yeah. Um, and, and the last thing before we get to Montreal is I, I really like the effort the team put in last night in terms of a lot of the things I complain about is the team not caring, team slouching. And I, I, I really saw like from the from a guy like Matthews, who's everyone who a lot of people complain about his back checking. I, I saw him back check multiple times last night and the same would go with William Nylander. Mm-hmm. So from that point of view, I really hope that the team continues, uh, especially against Columbus, because that's what's going to set the team apart. It's great that the team has skill, but when it comes down to it and you get into the nitty gritty with a team like Columbus, a team like Boston, a team like Tampa, it's great that you have skill, but play not necessarily the system, but play like you care. Yeah. And I think the team last night did that. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Anthony Stewart when he he said that? I think Friedman mentioned the fact of, of Elliot was like, yeah, he put Robertson in, but then Stewie was saying, well, he doesn't have this. I'm gonna I'm paraphrasing here because I yeah. can't. I don't have it in front of me. Um, that he would put either Freddie the Goat or Pierre Engvall in for their size. And side note, this is also Anthony Stewart who said that six foot two Jesperi Kotkinemi was a small guy. Sorry, yeah. go on. It, it's. The issue I have is I don't mind like oh I do a little bit having Freddie Gauthier in the lineup, but you like I've seen it a couple times. Like the first game of the year, that guy came out blasting Freddie Gauthier, but as the year went on, it's like it just trickled away. Like mm-hmm. prove it to me that you can you can use your size to your advantage. Throw your body around. I'm not. I'm not asking him to score 20 goals. I'm asking him to throw his body around, get the puck, and get it to someone like Jason Spezza because Jason Spezza can move the freaking puck. Get it to Pierre Engvall. I don't care. Just someone who can put the puck on net. I'm not expecting him to score. I'm expecting him to get the puck and get it to players who can move it. Yeah, fair enough. Because your next options, if you're not putting Robertson in, and you don't like Freddie Gauthier, it's 
Nick Patan, and Dennis Mulligan. Dennis Mulligan, the guy we all forget is a leaf. And I'd rather have Nick Robertson take some playoff games over those two. I think that's fair. Uh, anything so, else you'd like to mention from the blue and white? No, let's talk about Montreal. I know you have a lot to say. I have a couple questions. Um, first of all, uh, what a messy start of a game for Shea Weber. Man, that like I get excited when I see him wind up for a one-timer, but that whiff at the start of the game, was it was a sign of things to come. Um, we say that Montreal looked bad. They did. Um, they very much, to me, looked like a 24th-place team who hasn't played hockey for a few months. Um, right. But at the same time, nothing changed. Um, a, a power play went 0 for 5. Um, two shorthanded goals against. That's half of the goals the Leafs scored. Uh, one of which uh, was less than 30 seconds ago. So a last-minute goal against in the period. And a bunch of odd man rushes that resulted in a few goals. So uh, nothing changed. The 2019-2020 Montreal Canadiens picked up right where they left off. Yeah. And um, if they play like this, they have a fantastic chance of getting that 1-8 shot at Alexis Lafreniere. It seems like we're having the same type of discussions we were having back when the team went. I don't want to bring this up, but I feel bad. I got to do it. When the team uh, was on the eight-game losing streak. Which one? Both of them. (laughs) It's just, I was so excited. Like that last half an hour before the pre-show started, I felt that hockey, it hit me. Yeah. And then by the end of the first. You texted me multiple times telling me (laughs) How nervous you were. Yeah. And then it just, they they completely let me down again. Did that team. I think I went to friends of mine, yourself included, my family, saying they were a bunch of losers multiple times because I was so upset that yeah. you put in, I understand it's an exhibition. No, I, but you look at, we talked a little bit about how well Edmonton were playing. Calgary. There was a fight in the Panthers-Tampa game. McKinnon just blasted down and threw one right by the wild. And Montreal put in that performance. Like, I don't care if you're one of the last group. Of, like Shea Weber, lest we forget. I think it was last season, came back after he hadn't played hockey in months. It was dynamite. And he comes back from this pause. And I get you're not skating in that, but, dude, you had, you're coming back from, like, knee surgery. And you were looking better than this. It's just it's so embarrassing. And honestly, there was the like Sportsnet media member poll and predictions of Pittsburgh versus Montreal. No one had Montreal. I think mean, Carolyn Cameron, Justin Bourne, they all had Montreal. Chris Johnson had Montreal getting swept. And I believe it at this point. This has- Even, I feel like discussions we were having before. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, a lot of things had to go right for Montreal to get to to beat the Penguins. Like, does yeah. the, does that pull come as a surprise? Man, I had all the faith in this team because I thought, man, you're healthy. You were a good team when you were healthy, and since then, Suzuki's got all this experience. And then it just all the goodwill I have for them is now gone. Because of one game, they've re- I may be overreacting. 
Was it a surprise to me? Yes, because I thought they were going to be better. I really thought so. And then there was a day made clear when Cole Julian in practice made it clear he was working on special teams. And I, I understand that also, like, playing against an opposing team is much different, but it really looks like they haven't changed anything. I don't know what Kirk Muller is doing on the power play. Do you, uh, do you have Kirk Muller's number? I wish I did. Because uh, I'd just like to make a suggestion. I hear the drop pass is a phenomenal strategy to exit the zone. Any sort of entry strategy uh, would work. How about not just throwing it around so Shea Weber's open? Right. For the love of God, give it a change something. Can we have yeah. Paul McFarlane? Can we trade? Well, I, I believe he's going to be the head coach, which to me still oh, seems yeah. weird that he's going to be the head coach of the Kingston Frontenacs. Uh, next year, and they, he's still on the on the bench. I don't know. Just seems a little odd to me, but that's a separate issue. Now, okay, we talked about your you talked about the special teams being bad. Was there anyone that stood out to you last night? See, there were a few people. Nick Suzuki, yeah, is beautiful. I love him. Uh, that's a guy who can really turn into your cornerstone on the power play that they have missed since the days of Andre Markov. Um, he had a bit of a rough, rough time around. I think it was the third goal. But Victor Mete, I thought, looked very responsible. And Jesperi um, Kotkinemi. Yeah, considering where he, yeah, where he was when he got sent down earlier in the season. Um, a real big step up. And um, the... The, the fourth goal for Price, I thought he maybe try and stop that rebound. But beside that, I thought they really didn't give him support. Um, but unfortunately, with Price, he has to be better for them to stand a chance. But uh, I think he could have been worse. But like the first period, it should have been more than 2 nothing. He made some – I think he made some key saves. Oh, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. One guy that you, you didn't actually bring up, but we've talked about multiple times um, on the podcast is Max Domi and he's on was on the fourth line to start last night and yes I felt like I didn't see him see it's funny you mentioned that I have a tweet right here um, so when it came to to um, minutes for forwards guess which forward led in ice time I'd imagine uh, Philip Deneau Nick Suzuki Okay, that would be guess who was guess. guess who was second eighteen twenty nine. Was it Max Domi? It was Max Domi. But I didn't notice him. Right, right, yeah. Neither did I. Like he felt invisible to me, and I, and I don't know. It's not a. It's not a. I'm not trying to trash the guy. It's just like I noticed Jesperi Kakanyemi multiple times. I I noticed Nick Suzuki almost every time he was on the ice. I noticed when Shea Weber was on the ice. I did not notice when even Druin, like I feel like I didn't even notice Druin was on the ice. See, Joe had a good first period and he disappeared. Like he was he was trying his damnness to start that game and then he just disappeared, which was very disappointing. Yeah. Because he is another guy who I have defended all year. That is a guy that needs to have a big performance as well. But yeah, Domi Domi sorry, going back to Max. Yeah. I'm telling you, there and the and our prom boss who Marc Antoine Gordon from the Athletic Montreal were doing a, a question period today. And they were saying really like Montreal's best asset to try and get that top four defenseman, that left handed guy that 
we have talked about many a time. The best asset to do that with is Max Domi. I was going to um, say, I don't want to start trade rumors. I've said that he's that he's found himself to be the odd man out, especially if Yesberry can continue to perform. Right. Maybe you sign Craig Smith to play on the wing, or maybe even I just I really don't think if Max Domi disappoints against the Pens, and I hate. I don't normally like thinking about trading players. It's just not how I'm kind of wired. Yeah. Acquiring, yes, but like Montreal actually dealing guys that aren't like UFAs in that. I don't really yeah. think about it. But I, I really do think Max Domi has, has become an asset. Yeah, I don't want to start. I don't want to start trade rumors on the show, um, even though we love doing that. But yes. that would definitely be a guy who would, I, I'd have to imagine is. Mark Bergevin has to be looking at saying, hey. I mean, Peter Shirelli, if he does get hired, <laughs> and that left-handed Oliver ekman Larson, No way. I'll take him. Please, God. Chicker it. I'll take him. Chicker. Uh, now, I have one more question. Sure. I might have another one, but. Sure. I look at how – Look at how what's going on with Robertson, and I'm not comparing these two players because I don't want to get into that debate. But oh. I, I look, I, I can't, I, I'm not, I can't get into the debate with you right now. All right. Um, but I look at the situations they're in, and are they NHL ready? I don't know, but you could probably answer that about Caulfield. I can probably answer that about Robertson. Mm-hmm. But do you think Mark Bergevin at all regrets not signing? Cole Caulfield to a contract because I believe if he did it would have counted for this year and he would have been able to play because I know in the past you know McCarr signed a contract Hughes uh, signed his contract at the end of the year played a few regular season games and then played in the playoffs with McCarr I think he would have yeah um do I think he regrets it no you don't think so because we heard about how upset the team were that they were in the spot to begin with and I, I mean, for him to play meaningful minutes, the kind of Sandine situation, um, all of Montreal's key players would have had, you know, not even had the chance. I mean, Domi may have to play wing if he wants to get into the top six. Plus, at, at the end of the day, um, I really do think it's the best for him to go. I think they really do look at his development. And the problems they've had developing first round pick or players, honestly, before like this new, like the past three years, they've been better. But before that, yeah. De La Roche, Sherback, Tenardi, all of these players, I think they really don't regret rushing Caulfield or, or bringing him into this because who knows how he would have performed. But right. I mean, there are a lot of experts and, and hockey people who I respect and trust with these opinions saying it was the right decision. So I, I don't think so. No, because. Let's be honest. They're not going to go on a run. No. And I don't think he would have – would he have been a great shot to maybe have a chance on the power play? Maybe, but that means him being utilized properly on the power play, which no other player is on this team. So Right. Except Shea Weber because it's just giving him the buck. I think, you know, the interesting thing with Caulfield is I think he has the, – the advantage he has over Robertson in terms of development is he has the option of going to – the AHL next year. Yes. Yeah. And the fact, and, and it boggles my mind that there's no rule rule on this, but 
like it's either you play in the NHL or you go to the CHL, and it just kind of seems really stupid that that's the case with the CHL. Like, what yeah. what is Robertson? And I want to bring it back to Leafs, but what the hell is Robertson supposed to do after scoring fifty five goals? Yeah, it was the same with Suzuki. He had a yeah. wicked year, and he had to go back to the O. I wonder if I'm sure it's an OHL, a CHL it, thing. Because it definitely is. Because remember when I think it was he. Because Columbus obviously had all the injuries in the world. I think it was Liam Foody who got called up for the emergency game, but he had to be back for the next game that his team had. Because yeah. I'm sure it's like the CHL, and we know the problems they have. It was an emergency call-up. Yeah. That's why. And like, like, they don't want their players. Because it's so weird in the CHL because when those teams go all in or they sell, they go all in and sell. And the worst thing you want is to lose those players – or to have them go up and down between, like, the, or so what, what you mean is, like, just, like, I think if they're eligible, the CHL want to hold on to those players. Yeah, that's the, like, if I'm, look, if I'm the Leafs, and I think they got lucky with Rasmus Sandin in that, hey, he is technically a Swedish prospect. Yes. And that they could send him down to the AHL instead of sending him back to Sault Ste. Marie. Yes. But with Robertson, they don't have that luxury. So they're going to send they're going to send him back to they're going to send him back to Peterborough and he's going to do what? Like what's an improvement over a goal a game? Um nothing. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's not going to stunt his development. Like I'm not saying that. I just don't think it makes that that agreement makes sense. But that that that's a separate um that that's a separate topic. Yeah. Yeah. Um in terms of pri- and I know you've brought brought him up, but in terms of price was he on par? Was he below par? Was he above par? What what was Price's performance? Uh, I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a, a B minus. Um, because for a normal goalie, I think he was fine because of what just the team in front of him allowed. But because it is Carey Price, unfortunately, he has to be better. Um, Again, I don't blame him on that performance at all. I mean, he was—he wanted to get pulled so they could get the goal back. I love him, um, but the team just in front—it was—it was fine. It wasn't anything special, and it has to be special. Simply put. And based on that performance, what will the <laughs> series against Pittsburgh be? A one and eight shot for the Habs to get Lafreniere. There's no chance. No, no chance. No. Do you do you think there's anything? And, and I I doubt the players would even follow this. But there, do you think there's anything from above Claude Julian saying, "Hey, like we don't want to be." I, in terms of Mark Bergevin saying, "Hey, we don't want to be here. Let's just just back off." Uh, I, I think from the big guys, absolutely not. I think from the younger guys, I would sure as hell hope not because you see Yes Barry's fighting to get his spot back. I really hope there isn't. But, I mean, let's be honest, Alex. If you've seen a professor say whatever to something on a piece of work, yeah. are you going to – if they're like, oh, we're not going to be as harsh on this assignment, are you putting 100% to that assignment? No. No. In 104 in Sally's class, did you give all your effort into those? No, because we knew Sometimes. we were going to get 85s so if we didn't try. <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> Get in trouble on the podcast. We don't even. We're not even in her class anymore. I'm just saying. Like, no, I understand know, what you're saying. I, I understand what you're it's, saying. It's standards, and if if the team, 
at, at the end of the day, are these guys, like Price and Weber are never going to give up, right? But everyone else, if your management's not going to be full let's go here, then I don't know how. You're the leaders um, in some way, shape, or form. And if you're a leader, well, what's the depth of leadership? Influencing human behavior in the manner so desired by the leader as to accomplish a task. Mm-hmm. Don't ask how I know that. Yeah, great, great way to influence everything. That that performance was a great example of Hab's leadership. If that's the case, it has to leave a sour taste in, in, in players' mouths. Like when the report came out that there was an issue with between the PA and Montreal, and then it came out Ellie reported that it's probably has something to, to do with their involvement in the playoffs. Uh-huh. It has to leave a, a taste in players, a sour taste in players' mouths, because Paul Byron, who is the rep- who is their representative in the PA, voted yes. Yep. So it, I, I don't like. I understand the fan fan sentiment that hey, let's lose because we can get Alexis Lafreniere, but as a team. It has to leave a like as management. It has to leave a sour taste in your mouth. It has to leave a sour taste in the players' mouths, knowing that that's what management wants. Man, I have been sick, and after this game, I feel even worse. So if I feel this sick after that game, I sure as hell hope those guys feel as crappy as I do. Again, is it a single exhibition game? Normally, I wouldn't fret, but in the current circumstance, aka circumstances that we've never yeah. seen before and might never see again. I think there's very much cause for concern. Yeah. I think I think that's everything then. Yeah, I don't have any more questions. I think that was a really good episode, Alex. I think so, with the exception of Daniel cutting in and out. But Yeah, that's a shame. Um, but he'll be back stronger than ever like a phoenix from the ashes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about you, Alex, but I am definitely going to start watching this Colorado game and then is it – who's playing at 4 o'clock? I believe – I, I want to say it's the Rangers, but I, I might be wrong. Well, I have, I have it up here. I didn't, the Rangers are at eight. It oh. is – oh, but it's Carolina-Washington. I'll be watching that. <laughs> Just watch Ovi again. I've missed him. Then it's Chicago-St. Louis 6.30, and then uh, Winnipeg-Vancouver at 10.30. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen – uh, thank you for listening and for bearing through the technical difficulties. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, there's so many ways you can support it. Check out the Facebook and Instagram page for the show, link in description. Uh, get the hockey discussion going. Uh, what did we read, like 100 likes on it and then 300 on the Instagram? Um, I believe like we're at 300, yeah, I believe so. We're yes. growing and getting ever closer to 100 episodes. And yeah. you can check a lot of video versions of those episodes and this one as well on the YouTube channel. While you're there, check out my YouTube channel, A Serious Preview versus the Penguins is coming soon. Uh, be sure to check out both Alex, Daniel, and I's social media. That will all be in the description below as well. I think that's – oh, thank you for Voice Ed. As always, for being a great platform for the show. We love you very much. And we love the listeners as well. I think that's everything, Alex. 